Several, several weeks ago, we began a brand new message series in the Gospel of John, and chapter by chapter, we've been walking through this powerful, really, um, history of the life of Jesus, the Christ. And uh, this weekend, we come to chapter 7 in John, and so if you want to turn in your Bibles there or open your smartphone, whatever you need to do, and John chapter 7, kind of the, the whole context of this chapter takes place in the midst of, a, of an Old Testament uh, festival of sorts called the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's what we're going to look at, but it's kind of this, this huge gathering and festival, and everybody loves a great festival, right? Uh, I mean, just recently, right? Right here in PC, uh, the wonderful, world-renowned Walleye Festival, right? Uh, you probably were down there, you ate some good fried fattening food, you know, and, and it, was, it was awesome. There's other ones, like over in Mayan, the, the Melon Festival. How many of you have been over to the Melon Festival, right? It's for some of that awesome melon ice cream. Or uh, over in Norwalk, where we have a campus, um, there's the, the Strawberry Festival put on by the JCs, big to-do and parades and all that kind of good stuff. And then, of course, even over in Sandusky, they've got their own, you know, the Bike Week, you know. I mean, oh, that was not supposed to make it in there. I don't know what happened. Sorry. It's why I wear long sleeves. I don't want, I mean, I don't want to, you don't need to see all my ink and, sorry to expose you to all my manliness. Uh, yeah, but it's bike weeks going on right now. Also, you know what else is going on at Kalahari Comic-Con? Talk about two extreme worlds coming together, like, wow. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, everybody loves a festival. Well, in the, in the, these aren't the only festivals. I mean, these are maybe some of the ones that we know of, but I mean, over in Twinsburg, there's the Twins Festival. I mean, you have to be a twin to go, I guess. And uh, in North Carolina, it's called the Hollerin Heritage Festival. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know what, what that's all about. Or the, how about this one? The Cow Chip Throw Festival. Yeah, I know. You want to get in on that, don't you? Forget cornhole, you know. Uh, or how about... In Michigan, of course, the Humongous Fungus Festival. Only Michigan, right? And I'm from there, but I mean, like, only in Michigan would you celebrate, like, fungus, you know? And some of you, Ohio, you know, you're like, well, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's just like a mold that grows up there or something. Uh, and then the Pumpkin Chunkin' Festival over in Illinois. And then, of course, this one, the Roadkill Cook-Off Festival. Only in West Virginia. Take me home, right? All right. So, so all kinds of festivals, uh, but in the Bible, there were actually some God-ordained festivals for the Jewish people, and uh, one of those was the Feast of Tabernacles, but that was amongst, amongst seven other qualified festivals that we read about actually in the book of Leviticus, Old Testament law, and, and um, multiple festivals for the purpose of both uh, rest, of celebration, of gratitude, I think about, man, we're missing that in our culture. We're missing that in our world, like times that are set aside just to rest, times that are set aside to just celebrate and, and thank God for his goodness. In, in, in Leviticus 23, we read about sev several of them, the Passover, a huge, huge celebration, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Festival of First Fruits, which was really just to recommit 
uh, the people to, the, to giving God the very best, right? Uh, and then the festival of weeks or the festival of trumpets. And we don't have time to look at all these. The Day of Atonement, huge festival. Every year they celebrated it. And then we come to the one that we land on in John chapter 7 called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Festival of Tabernacles. And it's in the midst of this feast. And I mean, there were thousands and thousands of people that would come and, and it would be a family affair. And maybe, I mean, maybe not walleye and maybe not corn dogs and maybe, you know, but, but it was a huge celebration and gathering. And you know what happens when you, when you, you know, you kind of like reconnect, like you're at the Walleye Festival and then you see somebody that you graduated from high school with. And so there's lots of chatter and there's lots of catching up. But in the midst of John chapter 7 and the Festival of Tabernacles, perhaps one of the biggest buzzes that was going on amongst the people surrounded the person of Jesus. People were talking like about this Jesus that had come onto the scene, this Jesus and his teaching, this Jesus and his miracles, and all the buzz at this festival was, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus really? And there were all kinds of opinions. And it's in the midst of this that Jesus says these words. He says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, people weren't certain what to make of this, and they weren't certain what to make even of Jesus yet. In fact, there's all kinds of opinions. And so I want us to kind of step back, and I want us to ask the question, number one, who was Jesus speaking to? Number two, why? Why did he say these words at the Feast of Tabernacles? And then thirdly, what was Jesus saying to them, and what is he saying then to us? All right, so it's in the midst of this festival, he makes this profound statement, both a, a promise and an invitation, and people are just so all over the place. Who, who was Jesus speaking to? I mean, it was a complete entourage, a mix of people with all kinds of different opinions. In fact, let me just highlight several that we just find in John chapter 7, okay? You've got his own half-brothers, really, who hadn't yet believed in Jesus. Like his own half-brothers are like, I don't know, I'm not sure he's the Messiah. I'm not sure he's the Savior of the world. They're uncertain. So if they're uncertain, how many more are? But then there were some that said, oh, he's a good man. And boy, aren't there a lot of people in our culture that would just say, oh yeah, Jesus, a good man, right? Moral teacher, right? Um, there were others that said, ah, he's nothing but a fraud. And he deceives the people. So there were strong opinions, people that strongly opposed who Jesus was or what he was teaching. Um, there were those that said, how does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They were kind of perplexed. Like, he's saying all these things, and it sounds uh, deeply wise, but, but, but he's got no training. Like, how, how did he get all of this? And then there were others that said, you're demon-possessed. I mean, I mean, they weren't just kind of like, nebulous about, oh, I don't know who he is. They were like, he's, he's got a demon. <laughs> and then there were others. It says, many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, 
Would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? They, some people were just looking at the miracles and going, doesn't this mean something? This, this has got to be the Savior, the, the Messiah, the one that the Jewish people had been waiting for all this time. And yet, in the midst of that, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they're looking for a way to arrest Jesus. More so, some, some would say, surely this is the prophet that we've been expecting. Still others said, oh, he is the Messiah. And then there were others that said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah really come from Galilee? So John kind of just pulls it all together and summarizes, and he says, the crowd was divided. Think about it. I mean, people over here are saying he's demon-possessed, all the way to others over here that are saying he's the Messiah and we believe. And isn't that kind of our world still today? I mean, many in this room probably convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, did what he said he did, and, and believed. But perhaps even some in this room going, I don't, I don't know, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure what I believe. And, and this was the crowd that Jesus made this promise and this invitation to in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles. So that leads us to the second question. Why did he say it at the Feast of Tabernacles? I don't think it was accidental. Jesus was very intentional, right? And so why would Jesus stand up in the midst of this huge festival and like make this great proclamation and, and invite people to believe in him? And why did he do it at this particular feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Part of, part of the reason, I think there's two, two main reasons, at least, that we'll talk about for a few minutes. One of them has to do with the title of the feast. It has to do with this word, tabernacle. Not a word that we use a lot in our day and age, right? Although uh, for, for years, Lisa and I, for, for a couple years, we served and worked at, and then for several years uh, following, we vacationed at a place uh, in Michigan called Maranatha. It's a Bible and Missions Conference Center. And the big gathering room, the big place that they would gather for worship and teaching was called the tabernacle, right? Kind of comes from the Old Testament, like the tabernacle of God, like where God's presence was. But the, the Feast of Tabernacles had to do with uh, celebrating how God had provided for his people while they were in the wilderness. They would, they would set up tabernacles, like little makeshift huts. In fact, the word tabernacle means booth or, or shelter. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, where they kind of remembered and celebrated God providing for them, young men would even build these little makeshift huts and booths. And for seven days, it was a seven-day festival, they would sleep in those, little, in those little tabernacles, in those little tents, those little huts, for, for, for all week long, just to remember that, that, that God had carried his people. And interestingly, when we come to John chapter 1, the very beginning chapter of this book, talking about the first coming of Christ, and I think, I think that's part of the reason why Jesus says these words at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, John 1.14, speaking about Jesus, says, and the word became human and made his home. The word there is the same word that we translate tabernacle. Jesus pitched his tent. He came here and temporarily took on human flesh, and he came amongst his people. 
And the Feast of Tabernacles, it didn't just celebrate the first coming of Christ, but it looked ahead to the second coming of Christ. Uh, in fact, if, if, you, if you were to turn all the way to the last book of your Bibles, to the book of Revelation, you'd come to Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, and this is what it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the what? Tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. The book of Revelation is pointing to the second coming of Christ when he's going to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and God will once again tabernacle, dwell with his people. And so the Feast of Tabernacles is looking forward. But there's another element to why I think Jesus spoke these words, saying, I'm going to come and and provide living waters if you believe in me. It's because in the midst of this this festival, there was a a water feature. There was a water ceremony. You know that in, in the wilderness, there was one point where the Israelites, they were so hungry and they were so thirsty, they couldn't find water. And so the Bible says God commanded Moses, their leader at the time, to strike a rock with his staff. And when Moses did it in full obedience to God, thinking, well, I don't know, what's that going to do? The, the Bible says that water started to gush from the rock and the people were refreshed. This is why at the Feast of Tabernacles, there's this celebration of water. In fact, one commentator uh, says it this way, each day of the feast, this is really important, each day of the feast except the last day, a golden bowl of water was carried from the pool of Siloam to the temple and poured out at the altar. And during the pouring out of the water, the watching multitudes chanted the words from the prophet Isaiah saying, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So this was like, and again, this is on every day during the festival, except for the last day of the festival, there would be this expectation. They're going to bring the water out, and we're going to chant, and we're going to remember how God provided. And so isn't it interesting? In John chapter 7, then, when it says, on the last day, the day... The last day of the festival, where they didn't bring the water bowl out, where maybe people had gotten used to that and kind of had been expecting, oh, is it it water bowl time? Like, 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 that sounds funny, doesn't it? And they're, they're just kind of waiting, and instead of them bringing out the water, Jesus stands. And Jesus makes this claim. And he says to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from their heart. Jesus was, he was making a grand promise and he was giving an invitation, an invitation to anyone to believe Despite what their opinions were, and there were so many differing opinions, right? Jesus is inviting them. So that leads us to the last question. What was Jesus saying to them? And what is Jesus saying to us? It says, 
rivers of living water. And John must have realized that, 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 that there was going to be some confusion about what Jesus was saying because then John in his gospel, he gives clarification in the very next verse. And he says, when he said, when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. It says, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. This is a little theology 101. We believe that when a person puts their faith and hope in Jesus, that God's Spirit comes to live within them. That God's Spirit resides in the believer and guides us and leads us and gives us power and gives us strength, gives us hope. And so the promise that Jesus was making was a promise about his spirit given to everyone who believed. This spirit that would, that would give people real life, rivers of living water that, that would overflow. It wouldn't just fill their lives, but it would overflow onto the lives of other people around them. That it would change absolutely everything. This is the promise that Jesus was making. And remember... It's a promise that he made to everyone. Anyone and everyone. People that would say he was demon-possessed, people that would say, I don't, I don't understand, how can he have all this knowledge and wisdom? I mean, what are we to believe about this? Some that said, surely, maybe this is the Messiah. And, and to those that would say, yes, we believe. The promise and the invitation that Jesus gives was for anyone. <laughs> anyone. That includes you. If you're here this weekend and you've never really understood who Jesus is or why he came, that includes people in your family that, that don't know Jesus that, and you just see their life and, and you just want and wish for more for them. It includes your your coworkers and your friends at school and your neighbors it includes the person that you brush up against at the grocery store. It includes the people that are sitting at tables in the coffee shop, people that are shopping at the mall, people out on their boats, people fishing off the pier. It's for anyone. <laughs> I think of one early church leader Richard Baxter, he said, if my name Richard had been on the invitation list to come to Jesus, he says, I would have feared that the invitation belonged to some other who had the same name. But since the Lord said any, I knew even I was welcome. I hope you know that. I hope you know that the God of the universe loves you, that he has invited you into a personal relationship with him. It's for anyone. Anyone. So are you thirsty? Like, Is there a thirst in your soul for God? Or maybe you don't know what it is that you're thirsting for. I'm here to tell you, it's, it's God. That's what, that's what you are thirsty for. If, if you're searching and you're like, I'm just, I'm just looking for something that... I, maybe maybe you think it's like success or maybe you think 
it's happiness, or maybe you think it's the perfect family, or maybe you think it's that next job, and nothing wrong with all those things, but I'm telling you, if you don't have Jesus, you won't ever have that deep down sense of satisfaction, these rivers of living water of life. And so if you're you're thirsty, Jesus says, come and drink. Believe. So as our our worship team leads us, I just want to encourage you, if if you're here this weekend and you're uncertain, you don't know who Jesus is, you've never started a a real relationship with him, and, and you're like, I think this is what I need. And even as our worship team leads us, I'm going to invite you to just, if, if you'd want somebody to pray for you, just come right up here, and I'll be up here, and somebody else will join you, and we'll just pray with you and pray for you, or, or maybe you're here, and you've been a Christian a long time, but your, your well is dry, and somewhere it feels like there's just been a disconnect, and you just, you just need encouragement, you just need prayer, you need to be refilled, you need your soul to be satisfied yet again in Jesus. If that's you, you can come forward and just, we'd love to just pray for you. Let's stand together. Let's worship. And if you need prayer or you are ready to meet Jesus, we invite you to come. All who are thirsty, and all who are weak come to the fountain dip your heart in the stream of life